Listening to the flip side with Noah Philippiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grid of life. You can support the podcast and pick up some sweet flip side swag at www.patreon.com/slash Noah Philippiak. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Flipside Podcast. So thankful that you joined us today. Excited about today's episode. I am interviewing Laura Taro, who is a church planter in the Evangelical Covenant Church denomination. That is a denomination I also am church planting with. Laura and I were in a six-month cohort together. It was six church planters. Uh, Laura and I were two of them, and I got to uh, interact with Laura a lot about the timeline she's on uh, with her church plants, and as well as some of the some of the barriers and struggles that she's run into some of the op- the unique obstacles that she's faced as a woman church planter trying to raise support and uh, just trying to be in leadership in a place where that's not the norm that's not always the norm uh, in the church and so today as before we enter into that episode for those of you that decided to still listen to this episode when you saw the title I, I told Laura in the episode, I, I my guess is about half of our audience is complementarian and half of our audience is egalitarian. Uh, just a quick definition of what those terms even mean. Those are fancy seminary nerd terms. Uh, breaking those down, complementarian is uh, the, the belief or the biblical interpretation that only men can be pastors uh, and or pastors and elders. Uh, interchangeably, that, that might look different in most in, in different complementarian churches, but for the most part, that only men can be elders and pastors, and often that only men can preach as well. And then egalitarian would be the biblical interpretation that women can be in a full leadership role equal to men when it comes to pastoring, eldering, uh, preaching, etc. Uh, one background episode that you can check out that I mentioned in the interview as well is episode 58 of The Flip Side. Uh, I interview Rob Dixon. He's the author of the book Together in Ministry. And in that uh, in that interview, in that episode, if you want to check that out, uh, we talk a lot about, about this, this topic of women in ministry uh, and even my own journey in it. So I encourage you to check that out if it's of interest to you. Before I read you Laura's uh, oh, but, but I want to say this: uh, if if you're if you're listening and you're complimentarian, I just want you to know, uh, you know, I I hope that in the interview I give a, a welcome mat for you in a way where it's it's like, hey, I I respect your point of view, I respect where you're coming from, and I think one of my passions is that we could be more unified across the aisle, so to speak, uh, in the sense of complementarians and egalitarians. Just respecting each other's opinions and views and biblical interpretation on this, but pr- primarily in in this context, uh, if you're a complementarian, I'm not asking you necessarily. Uh, though many uh, egalitarians, I don't want to dismiss the the need, uh, right, to to shift over to this point of view. But for the sake of this interview, just give it a listen, give it a chance, uh, and know that I'm not a person that I I, I see stuff online sometimes that really. Uh, from egalitarians that really belittles complementarians. That's not what we're doing here. Uh, but I think hearing stories like Laura's, uh, they're powerful. 
and they help you understand more uh, why the need, why there's a need for egalitarianism uh, in the church. So hearing her story, as well as doing some research and and hearing you know the biblical interpretation of the egalitarian side, I think is really helpful, and that's something that I hope that we can help do here on the flip side. As always, you can email the show, email me at podcast at beyondthebattle.net, podcast at beyondthebattle.net, and I'm happy to interact with you more on this subject and, and help bring some understanding. Feel free to give your pushback, and I will read those on the air and interact with them there uh, if desired as well. So, uh, before we jump into the interview itself, I want to give a shout out and a thanks to Angry Brew. Drinking my Angry Brew today from my third favorite podcast is the Flipside Mug. If you want to get yourself some sweet Flipside swag, the place to do that is patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. Huge thanks to all those that support the show and big thanks to Angry Brew. If you are looking for a place to get some delish coffee, like the Angry Brew Blend, which I'm currently drinking coffee with a punch. It's a nice dark roast, has double the caffeine of a normal cup of coffee. Or you can get Chris's Blend, which is a medium roast and supports an orphanage in Honduras. Head over to fivelakes.com or angrybrew.com. Make sure you use promo code FLIP. And that'll get you 10% off your order. And it will also uh, give us, let them know that their investment is uh, is a good investment here on the flip side. So you give us some love that way. Uh, so big thanks to Angry Brew. Thanks for supporting the show. I'm going to hop into Laura's bio here in a moment. But I hope you've been enjoying the flip side. If you've missed last episode, episode 73, I interviewed Ron Sanderson. Ron Sanderson is diagnosed with autism and talks about the need for making the church a hospitable place for people with autism and other disabilities and encourage you to check that out. That was a, an episode that inspired me as a pastor to go, whoa, yeah, this we're missing out in the church if we don't have a place at the table for people with autism and the unique perspective that they bring to the table, the unique perspective on scripture, the unique perspective on ministry and the unique gifts that they have that they bring to the table uh, that somebody that doesn't have autism doesn't have and a perspective that I don't have and just how important that is to enriching uh, the church. And today I hope you get uh, somewhat a similar vibe as we talk about the need for women uh, in leadership and the, the way the church is deprived when women are not able to be in leadership. And I believe even if you are complementarian and you're you're like, yo, I'm not changing my view. And I know some of you can't. I know some of you are in denominational structures where you can't just change your view. I still think there are significant ways that women can be empowered to lead and to teach and preach within a complementarian theological framework that that is just very often never even approached. Uh, and, and so I'd encourage you to think about that as well. Of, because it's 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 if, if we are all at the leadership table, and it, at least certainly not in all places like this, but uh, if your leadership table is all white males, uh, you're, you're depriving your church. You're depriving your church. You're, de you're depriving your denomination. Is there anything wrong with white males? I'm one of them, so I hope not. I mean, I think <laughs> what's, no, what's, what's wrong is that's just been the default go-to, and we haven't 
we haven't been honest about the fact that being white gives me a certain perspective and being a male gives me a certain perspective. This is a valid perspective, but it is a perspective. And being a woman gives a woman a different perspective. And being a person of color gives someone a different perspective. Giving Being a person with autism gives someone a different perspective. And there is a lot of arrogance and I, I'll use that word because I, I I don't know. I mean, if you have a better word, let me know. But there's a let me say this. I don't think it's a conscious arrogance. I think it's just a it's a it's a uh, subconscious, subtle arrogance of saying that me as a white male, I know what's best for women. I know what's best for African Americans. I know what's best for Latina Latino Americans. I know what's best for people with autism. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it's like to walk in those shoes. And so wisdom is to have a co-leader type of model where there's equal, in my opinion, figure out a way to have equal authority where you can make decisions together, get insights together, discern the scriptures together, discern the Holy Spirit together. Not easy to do. It's something my church plant is moving towards. Uh, That's sort of our three to five year goal as a church plant is to have a leadership structure like that. So my hope on the flip side is to stir the pot. We are a podcast, and that is what we get to do. That's what I love about podcasting. We can talk about things on here and interact with them in a way uh, that you may not be able to do on a Sunday morning. So let the pot be stirred uh, if if, uh, if and when that is necessary. I think that's a really healthy thing to do uh, in a humble way, and I hope that you're challenged today. I hope you are inspired today, and I hope you hear Laura's story and that you want to jump in and uh, support her. Support her as a female pastor and a female church planter. I love someone that's a trailblazer, uh, blazing a trail for others to follow, which is what Laura's doing. So let me read you Laura's bio, and then we will jump into the interview. Laura is a 1997 graduate of Wheaton College with a Bachelor of Arts in Art and Philosophy. She holds a Master of Arts degree in Religion from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. She's currently completing her Master of Divinity from Northern Seminary. Jeff, her husband, and Laura met when they were both uh, serving as Young Life leaders in Naperville, Illinois. Jeff is a captain at the St. Charles Fire Department and has worked as a firefighter in St. Charles since 2004. The Taros have been deeply involved in the life and leadership of their local church and in their community. They have two teenagers. In 2020, Laura began a two-year pastoral internship at Batavia Covenant Church in order to complete her supervised ministry requirement for her Master of Divinity. She became a licensed pastor with the Evangelical Covenant Church in 2021. She is the co-host of the Kingdom Roots podcast with Scott McKnight, and she is the church planting pastor for Bethany Covenant Church in St. Charles, Illinois. You can head over to their website, Bethany Cove dot org that's c-o-v bethany cove dot org to check out their website and as i will invite you in the interview to consider supporting financially laura as a church planter and her church plant which you can do through that link bethany dot org so without further ado let's jump in to our interview with laura tarot have you ever heard the sound of freedom All right, Laura, thank you so much for joining us on the flip side today. Welcome. 
Thank you. I appreciate it, Noah. It's fun to be here. All right. Well, I am super excited to catch up with you. I already shared with listeners that we were in a six-month cohort uh, with Evangelical Covenant, church planting. It's crazy. Uh, It felt like when we were in that, it would never end, not necessarily in a bad way, just just where we were at in our timeline. It was like, this is what we do. We're in a cohort. And uh, I I believe we've been done. I don't remember, but it's been, we're in November. I think it's been good six months or so since we've been done. And um, I would love to hear from you. Uh, And obviously listeners don't don't know any of your story, but if you could just update uh, me and listeners on your church planting journey, uh, feel free to start at the beginning. And then I'd love to uh, get updated on what you've been up to um, recently as well. Sure. Well, gosh, the beginning goes way back, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you the cliff note version. Yeah. Um, about seven years ago, I felt God calling me both to pastor and to start a church. And both of those were significant asks. Um, honestly, I found them a bit terrifying and I had <laughs> a long wrestling match with God about whether or not this was really necessary and what these <laughs> designations could mean or did mean because I kept trying to kind of wiggle out of it. Like there are things I could do that are like pastoring, but don't have the pastoral title or there are ways I could help start a church, but I don't need to be the one driving the church plant. Um, and several different factors kept pointing back to, no, the call is actually to pastor <laughs> and the call is actually to be the planter. Um, and it, it just took a lot of convincing. So that was a journey, uh, both for me to become convinced and for me to know where to land with those calls. Because as you know, um, there aren't a lot of places that first uh, will ordain women as pastors. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that would be comfortable launching a, a church plant with a female pastor at its head. So it took me a long time to get all those pieces into place along the way, uh, my husband and I actually started a community Bible study. That was a piece of this puzzle um, when I was kind of feeling this out. And I had been in ministry for most of my adult life. This was not something new to me, um, but trying to understand myself in this role was very different. And so the community Bible study, my husband and I just literally invited everyone we knew um, to come and study the gospel with us. We read the book of Mark and we did it at a community center near our house where a friend of mine led an Awana program. So it was literally like, drop your kids off in the gym (laughs) and then come down to this other classroom and we'll teach you about Jesus. And it was really beautiful. We did that for several years. And that little nucleus of people um, became what is now our church plant with many hiccups and stops and starts along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're meeting in a donut shop. So uh, that's (laughs) awesome. Uh, talk about what it's like to meet in a donut shop and catch up to, uh, again, and I don't know ex- your exact timeline and, and plan if you're doing a traditional sort of launch or not. Uh, but if so, have you, have you launched and, or when you meet, are you meeting on Sunday morning at the donut shop and what do those meetings look like right now? Yeah. So we are meeting on Sunday mornings. We have been since this fall on a weekly basis at the donut shop. Before that, we were doing evenings, Saturday mm-hmm. nights, and then over the summer, we were just doing special events, mainly just because of people's schedules. Um, but 
since the end of September, we're meeting weekly in the donut shop at 11 a.m. And um, the donut shop is situated in such a way, there's a room that's sort of separate where people can come in and buy donuts. We're meeting in sort of a cafe space. Nice. It's a large room. Um, and there's also a downstairs room that our plan eventually is to start doing children's uh, yeah. programming down there. So that is the plan. I will say um, the donut shop is not currently open because the building had to have major renovations. So that's been a piece of this process as well. We've been helping the owner um, get the building up and running. And so we did a soft launch at the end of September. Uh, we have not done a public launch. And so really it is just our core team meeting on Sunday mornings. We've got about 30 people yep. and they are inviting some friends. It feels like almost every week we've got at least one new person um, who's friends with somebody. And so it's a slow build, but I'm really using this time or I'm hoping that we're using this time to really solidify our identity and to help our people connect with each other. So that as when we do get to the public launch, there will be a strong sense of this is who we are and the core team will really know one another and have a confidence about what we're about. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And you're in St. Charles, Illinois. And so yep. uh, the, uh, the, the millions of listeners that listen to the flip side, that that's a joke. It's, I, <laughs> it's, I, I like to self-deprecate on uh, on the podcast, as my listeners know. But I'm sure there's got to be somebody that lives near St. Charles, Illinois. And if so, sure. I want you, listener, uh, anywhere in the Chicagoland area to go to uh, Laura's church plant, to her uh, her launch team. Join the launch team. There's nothing better as a church planter than having uh, people that are excited uh, mm. join in to, to your launch team. I'm serious. I, I do hope that uh, there's some people listening that live near you that could connect with you and join in on on what you're doing, uh, which yeah. is which is awesome. Can you cast a little vision just for like why do we plant churches? And yeah. you hit this already in your story, but um, why did why are you specifically? What do you want to see at, in St. Charles? What do you want to see come out of Bethany Covenant Church? Yeah. Well, we plant churches in large part because um, new things attract new people. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we plant churches, it gives people an opportunity to come check something out that maybe wouldn't otherwise. Part of the reason we're planting in a donut church is, <laughs> that's what I call it, the <laughs> yes. donut church, um, is so that people would feel comfortable walking into a space. You know, they can come during the week and do their work in the ca cafe area. Um, so they can kind of test run the physical location um, before joining our church. So that's that's part of it is I'm hoping that people come in, feel comfortable in the space. And our goal is really to attract um, either unchurched people or people who've become disillusioned and walked away from church. Um, so we're trying to do things in a new way that's going to attract people um, that may not feel comfortable in sort of a typical traditional church experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, uh, I try to share. So I've I'm in my second church plant, and I I always try to talk to church planters about the the reality of the emotional side of of church planting. And it's not that I would say a very small percentage of listeners of the flip side are church planters. I'd say most mm -hmm. you know are just attending churches, but some might be attending church plants. Uh, I still think it's important because I think. I look at the way 
really at Christianity, you know, nationally, we have these big conferences and at these big conferences, we, we normally highlight um, kind of like superstar pastors who the qualification for that is a massive church. And <laughs> we, we love it, especially if they planted it. So if they planted mm -hmm. the massive church, then they're really super. And then, <laughs> you know, we should all really want to, you know, listen to them and, and buy their books and all that stuff. And that's affected me as a church planter mm -hmm. and, and both of my plants uh, just really hitting on my insecurities and finding those and exploiting them. And, and then those, the, that my insecurities leaned into my emotional state. And so I, I like to peel back the curtain of what it's sure. really like to plant churches, because I would say just uh, in my, it's, well, I, I planted my first church in 2005. And so I've been hanging out with church planters for a long time and vast, vast majority, 90 to 95% of planters on the ground are carrying a heavy weight. You know, there sure. are there's a burden on our shoulders that people don't see when it comes to just the emotional side of things. And we don't see that in the keynote speaker. We all want we all <laughs> think the keynote speaker's got it all together when really I think they're carrying the same load too. So sure. I'm just curious if you can let listeners in, if for nothing else, how we can be praying for you, but just mm -hmm. what that emotional roller coaster has been like. Um for you from from when you started so what you're dealing with now and some of the pressures and those sorts of things yeah a roller coaster is a really good descriptive word for what it's like <laughs> yeah um my husband and i have said many many times that we're glad we're doing this in our 40s and not in our 20s mm. um when i was in my 20s i was on staff with an evangelistic youth outreach program called young life and there are a lot of similarities between running a new young life program in a high school to planting a church where you don't, you put all the preparation, all the effort into planning the program, reaching out to kids, like spending all this time building relationships. And then the night of the event, you're in panic mode yeah. because you don't know if you're going to have five people or, you know, 55 people, you just don't know. And I think that church planning has that same feel to it. And then your emotions get tied into this sense of success. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly like, if there's 55 people, then will I be happy? You know, right. if there's yeah. five people, does that still count? Um, and I, I, I like that I'm doing it now because I understand that in advance. Um, like yesterday morning, we literally had eight people show up, which mm -hmm. feels a little bit like, oh, that's, you know, I told my daughter this morning, I preached a really good sermon to the eight <laughs> people that that's were right. there, you know, like it was so exciting, but also it's hard not to take that personally. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's where just the, the years of experience of going into building relationships and planning programming, I kind of know what that looks like. And I know how to kind of talk to myself about yeah. it because I know there's going to be the ups and downs. And so the prayer request that I've been saying to people throughout this entire journey is asking people to pray that God would provide the people that we need when we need them and the resources that we need when we need them and that I would not be anxious about it. Mm -hmm. And I think all of those components are really important. And I have to tell myself, I'm praying that I'm not going to be anxious about these things. So therefore, when I feel that anxiety building up, I need to be able to say, I'm confident that God is bringing us what we need when we yeah. need it. Um, so therefore, I need to trust him um, and, and 
try not to be anxious. So I think that's, that's true. If God has issued the call and I'm confident that God has, then my job is to be obedient and responsive and, and to not die my self-worth to, you know, sort of external ideas of success. So I know most church planners I know are very driven personalities. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're sitting around doing nothing. We are doing all of the things. So the harder task is being able to sort of relax into whatever the outcomes are, knowing that God is in it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I. That's helpful for me to hear because you know we have to remind ourselves of those truths. Yes. They're easy truths to to preach, and we should preach them. It's yes. The truth of the gospel, and it's uh, they're just they're just. Um, I always feel like I tell people, and I, and I had a break between church plants of a few years. And jumping back in, it, it reminded me just of so many similar emotions. But to me, I equate it to like living out one of the Old Testament narrative stories, whereas mm -hmm. readers, we can just flip from page to page and be like, oh, yeah, of course, it's all going to work out in the end. And uh, in the middle of it, the Israelites or the leader or whoever, they're doubting and they're, you know, they're like, where are you, God? And all these kind of things. And, sure. and man, I feel that. And it is so easy it's so easy to look to numbers uh, to give us our security instead of yeah. Christ giving us our security, which, you know, is, and, and I think something I've learned is not to do this alone, but to get good counsel from mentors and coaches and yes. spiritual, spiritual directors uh, are awesome. We just had a training in our, our uh, evangelical covenant region here. And um, the guy speaking as a spiritual director, who's also a former church planter and, he just said, uh, love the people you have. Yes. And man, that was helpful for me. He said, you know, as yeah. church planners, we always want to love the people that are going to be at the next stage of, of, of the church, you know, the next size. Yeah. And I've been really convicted of that. There's a certain greed, I call it in myself, yeah. where it's yeah. never enough. It's like, okay, uh, 30 wasn't enough because we needed 50. Then we got to 50 and 50 wasn't enough because we needed 70. And it's like this this never enough kind of, kind of feeling. And so yeah. I just, when you shared about your Sunday, I thought, I bet those eight people loved it. And I bet. Oh my gosh. We had a great time. Yeah, I We had a great time. Had a great morning. And I've said stuff yeah. before that I think, and then later I went, oh, I bet I really insulted the people that were actually there because for them, like they're loving it. And, and they're wondering Love why it. they're not enough for right. me and, and whatnot. So. Thank you for yep. sharing that. That's really, yeah, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, can you talk about, so uh, you, you shared that in your story about finding, you know, a group that you found in the yeah. evangelical covenant that would plant uh, a woman church planter. And right. uh, I know that's a, something that a topic, so to speak, that you've, you've thought long about. You've, mm. um, I, I, I listened to your the interview that Scott McKnight did with you about your church plant. I know you guys talked yeah. about that a little bit, like you are looking for resources and who's done this before. And there's just not a lot. There's just not a lot out there. Right. Um, can you just share with listeners from a, just from a personal perspective, um, what that has been like trying to uh, plant a church as a woman pastor, as a woman lead pastor, as yeah. well as uh, the, the support raising process and uh, just what that's been like for you. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I would say the first piece that springs to mind is um, 
other people examples to look to. There's just not a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, I was telling a friend recently, I think I personally have only ever been in one church in my entire life for any extended period of time that had a female pastor, even on staff. Um, so that role model of viewing someone like me pastoring has been really rare. Um, and a lot of women will tell you that the first time they ever heard a woman preach was when they themselves preached. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have the advantage of at least for a few years hearing another woman preach on occasion. Um, but but that there's not a lot of mentors available or there are what I call like pieces of mentors that we piece together who maybe were business leaders um, you know, or maybe have been professors, or we take all of these things and try to build an example of what it is that we feel God's calling us to do. So it's a little bit piecemeal. Um, most of my biggest support has come from other women who are on this journey alongside of me at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So we're laterally we're on the same level. We're planting churches. Um, and so we have a great support network with one another. There's about six women that I know that are all in, around the same stage in terms of church planting. Um, so we can encourage one another. We can pray for one another. We can compare notes and it's strikingly similar. We mm -hmm. have a lot of the same you know, strengths and a lot of the same difficulties. Um, but we don't have strong examples of people who are further down the road who can say, here's what I've learned from the process. We're just sort of probably all making the exact same mistakes. So that, um, that need, that gap um, led me to pursue church planning networks, thinking this will be the place where mm -hmm. I can, you know, learn from the wisdom of other church planters. Um, most church planning networks at this point are largely dominated by men and they were largely created by men, um, which makes sense. That was sort of all of who was doing it. Um, but again, it's, it, what has worked for men in these spaces will not necessarily mm. work for women in these spaces. And sometimes the men are afraid to mentor the women. So again, we still have the difficulty of finding people who can really say, here's the way walkie in it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that is a big need is, is the mentoring piece. I think um, the financial piece has been tough as well, again, because um, our personal donors have been phenomenal. And that's because I've been in ministry for decades. So we have a lot of personal connections that have been wonderful and supporting us. Um, our launch team has also done a beautiful job of giving sacrificially to our church. And so we are sort of, there's different sort of pots you're supposed to pull from to fund a uh, church plant. And that particular piece, they've done exceptionally well. And so we're above the goal for that area. The one area where we've fallen short is from church sponsorships or mm -hmm. grants. Um, and, you know, I don't know, historically, some of it's just historically this moment that we're in. But the way it used to work is maybe three or four different established churches would take it upon themselves to fund a new church plant and would give a large chunk of money um, for that new church baby to launch. Um, and some of it is, you know, the financial situation. A lot of churches are sort of hunkering down right now. Um, but I have wondered if yeah. some of this is that 
that they are less sure about the prospects of a church led by a female pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have not done well in that area. We did less than half. And most of the money that did come in in that area uh, was because of connections I have with other female pastors or specifically other people who wanted to fund female pastors. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we, we raised less than half in that category. And so I asked my own church to reduce my salary by a third um, to cover that shortfall because I wanted our church to start out on strong footing financially. Yeah. And I didn't want our church to be penalized for having a female pastor. So those were choices that we've made. I, I feel confident that we have the resources we need to keep moving forward. Um, but I'm always aware of mm-hmm. what it's going to take for us to be viable. Um, so that is a concern. It's an ongoing concern. Um, yeah. And, and I think some of it is that grants, foundations, other groups are not used to funding these sorts of uh, church plants led by women. And the church planning networks, um, I've heard several stories of donors being matched to female planters and then pulling out of the meeting at the last minute when they found out the church was led by a woman. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's just tougher. And I, I felt like I was spending an inordinate amount of time pursuing those, that kind of funding. Um, and it was taking away from the other kinds of work I should be doing. Yeah. So that's, that's the tricky piece. And I think it's an area um, that the church community in general just needs to start gaining a vision for this idea of churches led by women um, so that we don't have to justify our existence before we even get to the financial ask. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I, I've seen God do cool things through like throwing something up on Facebook and seeing who gets it and tag somebody else in it. And I really mean that about listeners to this episode. If there's people near St. Charles uh, or anywhere in that area that I, I'm, I'm encouraging listeners to come and connect with you and join your launch team. And the same goes for this question of support yeah. raising. Uh, you just never know who knows somebody or who's ready, you know, to give yeah. and to be and to be generous. And so I want to throw that out to Flipside listeners as well, that if you personally are able to support Laura as a church planter and her church plant, uh, we're going to put the giving information into the show notes uh, and also think about your church. Maybe you can talk to your church and maybe you have a missions fund and there's some money available there at the it's, you know end of the year. Maybe there's some money that didn't get used up uh, and or you could talk to your pastor or church leadership about being one of these sponsored churches mm-hmm. for Laura and for Bethany Coven. I just want to really ask listeners for you to pause and think about that as we work to restore equity uh, when it comes to uh, women and women in ministry. Uh, Laura, for those listening that aren't going to read show notes, uh, what's the best way that somebody, what's the best way somebody could uh, support you uh, via the support raising channels that you have? Sure. Um, Go to our website. It's bethanycove.org. And there's a donate button in the upper right-hand corner. Yeah, thank you. Bethanycove.org. And then uh, to donate there, that's awesome. Um, I'm wondering if you could, if, if, so I have three daughters, uh, they're 11, nine and five, which is mm-hmm. crazy that it's, you know, especially my oldest is 11. Well, she turns 11 in a few days and, uh, she's, she's in fifth grade and 
it's just wild to see her growing up, right? And mm. she's almost a teenager. I can't believe that. She just took all the posters down from her room and she's like, you know, we, we give stuff to the little siblings and the Goodwill and all this. And I'm like, she's getting rid of all of her little <laughs> girl stuff. I'm so, you know what I mean? so, but, uh, so I, uh, I have a soft spot, obviously in my heart because of my three daughters and what, um, what advice would you give, or maybe not advice, just what thoughts do you want to share with women who are listening yeah. of any age? It could be uh, women younger than you, maybe college age or uh, looking up at you uh, and, and yeah. wondering if they could be a woman in pastoral ministry, or certainly women can make career changes. Um, and maybe yeah. someone's had this itch their whole life and kind of been like, yeah, but there's no place for me uh, yeah. to, to live into this calling. Uh, what advice would you give to, to women in those shoes? Oh, goodness. There's so much. I think um, to be confident of God's work in your life and to, um, I think that's the primary piece is to know what God is calling you to do and to listen to God's voice more than any others. Mm. Um, I think, you know, there's a sense in which it took me a long time. Like I said, there was this moment where I felt God very expressly calling me to a thing which was to pastor and to plant. And it still took me a while to really wrestle through with, you know, what does that mean? Um, and God was like, well, I was pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it, it's, it's knowing God's call and finding other people who will affirm that call in you. And that might take you a little bit far afield. So one of the things that I've been saying to women more recently is sometimes following God means you have to leave home. Um, which is a hard reality. Um, you know, I grew up in pretty conservative evangelical circles most of my life. And I think that was honestly one of the biggest barriers was knowing that um, this was going to take me outside of my comfort zone and some of my, and, and challenge the nature of some of my relationships where people would question my motives or, um, you know, not fully support what I believed God was calling me to. And so that's, that's part of the wrestling. Um, but I think that there are places that do affirm women in these spaces and it is worth finding those places um, to find the places that are ready to support you um, because otherwise you kind of spin your wheels. And um, there's a sense I, mm -hmm. I felt for many years of like, I'm pretty clear and confident of what God is calling me to do. This community is not ready for me to do that. And um, that can be incredibly painful uh, to be in that sort of situation. So at some point, being you, there's sort of a, a you know a path where the path is diverging, and you have to ask yourself, um, is my call to follow God into the unknown and where it's a little scary, or to stay comfortable in these spaces that I know um, where I'm not able to do that? So, and I, I don't ever want to force somebody into the decision because you, you've got to really wrestle with God about that. Um, but sometimes you should know that that might mean requiring stepping into unknown spaces and pursuing God, um, even when it makes you uncomfortable and scared. So yeah. I think that's, that's the main thing. And, and God is so good. I mean, God has been so good about meeting me. Um, as I moved into those spaces. And I've heard that story over and over from women. Like I was terrified, 
you know, to take these first steps, but God has been so faithful in connecting me to the right people and the right places at the right time. So I think if the, if the call comes from God, God's going to provide the opportunities and the resources mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I did an interview. Uh, so we're doing episode 74 right now, episode 58. I interviewed uh, author Rob Dixon. He wrote a book called Together in Ministry. And so we talked through, uh, we talked through Together in Ministry and why he wrote it. And we, um, so I'd encourage listeners to go back and, and listen to that yeah. as some background to some of this. I am wondering, and so I, I give you some context to our audience on the flip side. My guess it's just a rough guess. I'd say we're probably like 50% egalitarian, uh, 50% complementarian in background mm-hmm. when it comes to like theological background types of churches, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I grew up, um, sounds like similar to you, in complementarian uh, churches. And it's been a theological, it's been a theological wrestling match for, our, for a long time. And I'm really happy where I ended up as an egalitarian. And Rob and I talk about that at, at length. Uh, I am wondering as much as you're comfortable, just because I think sometimes if you're sitting in that complementarian seat, sure, you can hear like your story. And, and I, I think some listeners just kind of turn it off and go, yeah, but you know, it's unbiblical, you know, because, and then they <laughs> kind of go, right. And um, I, I say, you know, probably half the listeners are complementarian because I want to give respect to that, to that viewpoint. And I'm sure yeah. you have wrestled uh, at length with this whole theological debate and all the sides uh, today, you know, um, what are we, November 2022? I just curious if, as much as you're comfortable sharing, um, what is your take on the complementarian viewpoint? You can, mm. you know, share openly on that as long as much yeah. as you're comfortable. I just think it's helpful to bring that into the room um, because I think often. I don't know. I think both sides, it's easy to make assumptions about the other side in a way where it's sure. like, well, I could never support Laura because I don't agree with her, you know, or what, you know, I just whatever. But um, my heart's heavy for the way this divides the church and the way that it keeps yeah. women like you from from going into ministry. So anyway, long question. Yeah. I'm a bad podcast host. Uh, my my question is just how do you interact with the complementarian theological uh, vantage point. If we're sitting in a seminary class and that's the, the, yeah. the topic, um, how would you answer that? Yeah. Oh gosh. So, Sorry to put you on the spot. No, there's so <laughs> much. I, my brain is just going in so many different directions. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for myself, um, I tend to be like a researcher, studier, reader kind of personality. And I have a bookshelf almost entirely devoted exclusively to this question. Yeah. So you know, just books upon books that that go through both the theology, the scripture, um, historical studies, mm-hmm. all about this question. Um, because I was raised in a very complementarian church. And so to me, when I started out, I would have said this is an unbiblical position for women to lead in these ways. And so for me, when I was, you know, in my teens, I really wrestled with both this sense that God has called me to ministry. Mm-hmm. But also, why would God call me to ministry if if women can't lead or teach? And um, yeah, so I had to figure that out for myself. So that's why I have so many books on this question, you know, trying to understand, is this a theologically appropriate point of view? Um, and clearly, I've landed on the egalitarian side. So um, 
you know, there's, there's a lot of, you can get into the biblical research, you can get into the historical research, you know, the theology of it. There's so many ways you can approach this. I think for myself, it's just this very clear sense of God's calling and direction and the gifting. I think for many years, the thing that I struggled with the most is I know what I am gifted to do. I know what God has called and equipped me to do. It's just so clear. Um, but I can't seem to find anyone who will let me do these things. And I'm not an activist. I'm not looking to like burn the whole thing down. Like, I, and for many years, I would say, I just want to serve alongside somebody, but I want to be able to teach and to lead in the ways that God has called and equipped mm -hmm. me. The ironic thing is I kept, you know, as I moved into these spaces, the thing they kept telling me is, oh no, you shouldn't serve alongside somebody. You need to do this on your own, which was even more terrifying because I was mm -hmm. like, wow, <laughs> that's, you know, even further of a stretch. I think at the same time, I understand the complementarian position. I was raised in it and I understand how um, compelling that argument is and how terrifying it is to examine alternatives to it. So I understand um, why people have that point of view. And I understand why a lot of women find that a very comfortable and secure space to be in. I just know for myself, it has been like, I call it running into invisible roadblocks my entire life where the lines kept moving of like, oh, this is okay, but not this, or, you know, this age group is fine, but not this age group. And, you know, all yeah. of these different things. And the way that it was viewed of me being sinfully ambitious, like mm. that was the term that was thrown around a lot is th wow. that's sinful ambition. Wow. And I kept thinking, I don't, I don't think it is. I think I, it's, it's me mm. trying to use my gifts for the good of the church, because yeah. that's why God gave me these gifts in the first place. I don't think that's sinful ambition. Um, but the more I encountered that, I thought, okay, either they're wrong or, or God's wrong. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I, I, as I studied scripture, um, I kept seeing God used women and yeah. profound leadership spaces, even within scripture. And um, so I think there's room for it. I definitely do. And I, I think the church is, enriched when we hear from lots of voices and lots of backgrounds and lots of experiences. I think our view of God gets bigger. Um, I think men and women need to hear from one another. And I think, I, I know, like, in terms of, like, equality and different cultures, different groups of people speaking into this, oh, my goodness, it's such a value. And I mm -hmm. think we need to be open to that. Um, because we hear God differently depending on our social location. Yeah. And so you will hear things in scripture that aren't apparent to me um, and vice versa. And, you know, somebody living in India might hear God completely differently and understand scripture based on their social location in ways that I need to understand. And I'm not going to understand it that way unless they teach it to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that um, there's room for this. And I, I think it, if we can do it in an aspect of community and love, I think we would all benefit. Um, and it just makes me sad that we miss opportunities when we limit each other's gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you going there with us. I think it's really helpful. And, you know, I think your story 
it lines up with what I see in the New Testament. You know, that's that's for me was my biggest scriptural reason. Rob and I in that interview, I mean, we talk about a lot of the practical, the practical, right? And those are significant sure. as well. Um, and goodness, I'm my heart sinks to hear someone saying, telling you it's sinful ambition. It's like, hey, I want to lead people to Jesus and disciple <laughs> right. them and help them find the kingdom. Uh, you know, that's sinful ambition. It's like, wow, really? Like, don't we have bigger fish to fry uh, than yes. calling someone out that like doing yes. something so amazing as sinful ambition? So, uh, but yeah, I, I think outside of the practical reasons, when I look at scripture uh, itself, I mean, I'm one of the, I'm one of these people that changed my view and uh, the, the practical reasons certainly uh, motivated me because I was mm -hmm. seeing the, not only the pain that it's causing in women, uh, but also yeah. the deprivation that it's causing in the church and, and a significant yeah. deprivation, similar to what you talked about. It's like, why would we starve the body, you know, of, right. you know, half of its, of its gifting. But you see, when we talk about gifting in scripture, yeah, you see Paul, he lays down some church polity, for sure. some of those local churches, but within those same churches and within his own writing, he has women doing pastoral roles. Right. He has women exercising pastoral gifts. We see women prophesying. We see an apostle. That's a woman. We see a deacon. <laughs> that's a woman. It's like, yo, if you can be an apostle, I mean, you don't do anything. Right. I mean, like, right. So that right. for me, as like a Bible person, I'm going, okay, well then Paul himself is, I don't know if I, if I want to call it an exception to what he wrote, but he's the, these examples of gifting being utilized shows me that he, what he was laying down as church polity in that, you know, in that sp specific way that he wrote it, he's breaking his own rules if it were a rule. So I'm going, right. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable going with the gifting side, which the early church evidently did because we see those evidences of it. Um, and I'm sticking with scripture on that. Yeah. Um, does that mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not against complementarians. I understand the viewpoint, but I would, I just ask a complementarian to consider scripturally that point, And at the very least to be able to say, Hey, it's not enough for me to change my position, but I sure. can respect the egalitarian position as biblical. I understand where you're coming from biblically. I can support Laura. I can support women pastors. Um, I can pray for them. I can, I want them to flourish. I, I can even, you know, whatever it might be. I think, I think those would be helpful steps in the right direction as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what's next for you, Laura? What's next for Bethany Covenant uh, and, and you? And uh, we're in November of, uh, of 20, yes. 2022. Um, if we uh, catch up in six months from now, uh, what do you, what do you hope to see? Mm. I hope to see more people joining us who are encountering Jesus in our space and mm -hmm. through the life and the witness of our people. Um, I, I hope that we are cultivating a culture where our church members are um, living for Jesus in such a way that it's winsome and attractive and other people want a piece of that, want to encounter Jesus for themselves. Um, and so are joining us to kind of just come and see, to see yeah. you know, what it's like to follow Jesus in community. Uh, 
and that that we're growing over time at a manageable rate yeah, would be right. helpful. Yeah, yeah, amen <laughs> to know, that. So we don't get too far ahead of ourselves, but enough that uh, we can care for people well. Yeah, that's awesome. This question's out of order because I went to ask it earlier when you were sharing about your bookshelf. Uh, but I'm going to ask it here now in an awkward place that you wouldn't ask a concluding question. But of all the books you've read, I asked this for myself because mm. I'm at God's put. I, I want to read more when it when it comes to this yeah. and just be better, better read. What's your top one or two books for a listener that wants to learn more about egalitarianism mm. uh, biblically? Um, what's your what's your go to resource or maybe top two? Sure. So Carolyn Custis James is one of my favorite authors. And one of the books I often uh, recommend for people is The Gospel According to Ruth. So Carolyn Custis James takes you through the story of Ruth, um, but looks at it from this perspective of Ruth being a refugee, um, being a non-Israelite person who claims the promises of God for herself and acts with agency um, to be incorporated into the family of God. And when you read it from that perspective, you see this woman um, taking bold initiative um, because of her deep desire to follow God. And I think that kind of gets at this idea of, um, are we going to obey God or are we going to obey traditions of humans? Yeah. And and I think that that, was, that book was important in my own journey. Um, the second one I would say is Gender Roles and the People of God by Alice Matthews. Alice uh, was at Gordon-Conwell for many years. She discipled a lot of women in a doctor of ministry program who were pursuing ministry. Nice. And so this book is sort of her assessment of, of the scriptural case, but it's written in such a way that even a non-seminary person could understand it and track with it. Um, so it's another book that I give to people who are exploring this question as a starting point. You can obviously get into much deeper water in yeah. terms of um, the academic studies related, but these are good inroads. Um, and Carolyn Custis James will feel like a grandma who's teaching you the Bible. <laughs> like it's just, she's yeah. sweet and tender and it's not scary. And um, she's written about five books that, that are similar, that are addressing this question, but through scripture stories. And for me, when I was starting out, I really needed to hear this understood as Bible study. And I think she does a beautiful job of it. Thank you. That's awesome. I wrote yeah. them down. I'll put those in the show notes as well and encourage listeners to to read those. And I'm, I'm putting them on my list as well. So uh, Laura, thank you so much for joining us on the flip side. I want to say again to listeners to go to Bethany Cove, that's C-O-V dot org, and please support uh, Laura and Bethany Covenant Church. And if you live near St. Charles, Illinois, or you have any family or any friends, let's get the domino <laughs> chain going. Let's let the yep. uh, flip, flip side nation uh, tell, you know, <laughs> put it up on your Facebook page. Anybody live near here and uh, link, link to... Bethany's website, uh, do it because that's how I've seen God work in cool ways like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we collectively as a podcast would love to be able to support you uh, any way we can, Laura. So uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll toss it over to you. Just any, any last uh, thoughts, uh, words that you'd like to share with listeners before we wrap up? Well, Noah, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity. I really do appreciate you reaching out and inviting me to be on your show. And I will tell people 
Um, Dimples Donuts is the name of the shop yes. that we meet in. Nice. It's on Main Street in St. Charles, Illinois, and we would love to have you join us. And we're a quirky bunch, um, but I'm excited <laughs> to see yeah. how God blesses this group of people. I love it. Dimples Donuts. And yes, you can get donuts while you're there. That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yeah. All right, Laura, thanks so much. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? All right, all right. Welcome back to the the rest of the flip side. Welcome back. And I hope you enjoyed that interview with Laura. As mentioned, you can give her some financial support at bethanycove.org. Yes, I'm repeating that many times because it is on my heart uh, to help Laura uh, as, as she's butting up against some of these obstacles that she faces as a female church planter that I do not face as a male uh, church planner. So she did not ask me uh, to ask this many times for financial support. I'm asking because I think it's really important. And again, I would ask you to consider uh, if you can give uh, one time, if you can give on a recurring basis. And if you know anybody, uh, any individuals, pastors, churches that would be able to support Laura as a missionary, the way church planting support works, it's not a lifetime, uh, you know, monthly kind of thing. Your church uh, could support her as a missionary for, uh, at least in my in, in my setting, I do three years, and uh, I, I'm sure something like that would be a similar timeline for Laura. So please do feel free to reach out to her or to me if you have any questions. Again, you can reach me at podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Now, this is the part of the show that if you're if you're new to the flip side, you're going, okay, why is there a, a warning? alarm sound going on in the background well we do this little this little segment called noah's rant and we've been doing noah's rant for a long time we're on episode 74 of the flip side there's not 74 noah's rants there's been episodes particularly earlier on in the podcast where i would not do a rant uh if it was a really heavy topic i did a george floyd episode it was like crying not doing a noah's rant at the end of that one uh but there's been a lot of Noah's rants. Episode 50 of the podcast, we celebrated our 50th episode with a five-hour Noah's rant marathon where we took all the Noah's rants that had ever been recorded up to that point and, uh, and put them into one episode. Now, why am I giving you this long interlude? One, uh, if you're listening and you are a fellow Covenant church planter checking out the flip side for the first time, you, you've just enjoyed... Uh, a wonderful conversation with Laura Taro and myself about church planting and the depth and the richness and the 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 maturity uh, of of uh, of that conversation. Now we're entering into Noah's rant, which is none of those things. It's it's not it's not deep. It's not enriching. It's not mature. And speaking of the insecurity of being a church planter, there believe it or not, loyal loyal flip upon am I. I have my insecurities about doing Noah's rant. It would be much easier to interview, do a great interview with someone like Laura. It's very enriching. Just be like, yo, that's all. Peace out. We'll see you next time on the flip side. But no, instead, we decide to close the uh, the uh, the flip side out with some humor, with an attempt at humor, completely changing genres on you, like going, <laughs> this is not wise to do. And so, 
what I'm saying is, if you are a regular listener of the flip side, there are times, this is one of them, where where I need some feedback from you that you want to keep hearing Noah's rants. I have a list on my computer. As I get something I want to rant about, I put it on the list. I have nine things on the list, but I don't really feel Noah's rant level passion for any of them right now. Last episode, I ranted on Aldi. It was a positive rant because I love Aldi, the grocery store, but from Batavia, Illinois, by the way, uh, where Laura has done her, her, her residency. But the, the rant was on some of the idiosyncrasies of Aldi. But we're kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel. Again, We've this has happened once before on the flip side where it could be. Was, could it be the end of Noah's rant? Let's say it ain't so. But you got to think, if we do a thousand episodes of the flip side, I may run out of things to rant about at some point. Though, I would say an annual rant on haunted, haunted houses is probably appropriate and an annual rant on uh, Elf on the Shelf slash the existence of Santa Claus, also appropriate, as long as my kids are of the the believing age of lies that my wife tells them. And, uh, uh, oh, the third rant, probably an annual, uh, could be an annual event, is the, 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 the wisdom and leaving your Christmas lights up for the entire year rather than foolishly taking them down every January just to have to just because you like doing work you enjoy tedium you enjoy the results of the fall which is toil uh, and so you just go out and take them down so you have to put them back up again those three we probably have those three in the bag we could just do those every year but all this to say I'm doing a rant right now about Noah's rant that's perfect I love it but we haven't intro Noah's rant yet so all this to say I'm warning you Noah's rant today is going to be worse than usual and i need i need some inspiration i need you to email the show i need you to tell me somebody uh, emailed a while back and said i love noah's rant because it 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 reminds me that it's okay to have fun in church and that pastors can have fun well that was that got me like through two years of doing noah's rant so i need a little more fuel in my tank if you appreciate noah's rant please uh, write in because if you don't, if, if I get crickets, I don't know. It could be the end. I'm just saying. It could be the beginning of the end. Say it ain't so. Because I know Noah's rant makes the world a better place. So, without further ado, uh, you've been warned. Turn off your podcast if you if you don't want to be subjected to uh, an attempt at humor that is going to be worse than usual. I've already told you I'm at the bottom of the barrel. If you keep listening, you're really desperate. You're really desperate. You need better. You need to go find some better podcasts is what you need to do. Uh, so if you keep listening, uh, welcome in your desperation to Noah's Rant, here to make the world a better place. Without further ado, I said that already, Noah's Rant. <laughs> Noah's Rant. All right. So, last week's rant was a happy rant. It was a positive rant about Aldi. And then within the rant, I shared some idiosyncrasies of Aldi that were legitimate rants. Though, uh, do not be confused. 
I love Aldi. I it is it, those are my people. So today, similar, we're turning over a new leaf. Uh, since I'm running out of things to rant about, I'm gonna do another positive rant, right? I mean, 74 episodes in, we we can turn over new. I'm becoming an optimist. It took 74 episodes. Today's rant is on silly putty. You can see it if you're watching on YouTube. By the way, audio listeners, you should go check out youtube.com slash Flipiac and watch the flip side. This is silly putty in my hand. Right there. It's a piece of silly putty. I love silly putty. Kids these days, they're big into... Kids these days, these little whippersnappers, they're big into fidgets. It's a big deal, big deal, fidgets. Fidgets are proven to help kids with ADD and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, I don't know, but they, they're like allowed to have some fidgets you're allowed to have in school. My kids have tons of fidgets. It's a thing. It's cool. They're, they're great. My fidget is silly putty. If you closely watch the flip side, if you closely watch, you will often see something. The color of a white person's flesh in my hand. Let's be honest. That's a little racist, right? Come on, silly putty. No doubt this was patterned after the Caucasian flesh. Somebody find me some darker tone silly putty, and I will I will use it. I will use it uh, as my fidget. I love silly putty. I love to do this with it. And there's it does so many amazing things. You can roll Silly Putty up into a ball. And just like that, boom, you have this perfect ball. You can actually bounce this on the ground like that. And it's like a bouncy ball. I loved when I was growing up as a kid, you could take Silly Putty and put it on the Sunday comics of the newspaper. And you'd have the comic on your Silly Putty. That is so awesome. Like What other invention ever can you roll up, can you flatten out on newspaper comics and then have on the Silly Putty and then you just wad it up together and I guess the newspaper ink just becomes part of the Silly Putty. It's incredible. You know, 90% of my passion for Silly Putty and why it's getting the spotlight treatment on Noah's rant. I, should, I gotta get Silly Putty to sponsor the show. Speaking of sponsoring the show, has anyone seen that Samsung commercial for the phone that flips, first of all, stupid, stupid, stupid. I, if you didn't know this about me, I hate all the new cell phone ads. Hate them. It's it's like, hey, the Messiah has come. It is the new iPhone, the new iPhone 12, the new iPhone 13, the new iPhone 14. This new phone will save you. It will give you joy. It will give you satisfaction because it has not three camera lenses, but five camera lenses, right? I mean, it's like this, the inventions on the phones are so stupid now. The, the stupidity of it literally in three years, we're going to have, it's going to have 10 camera lenses on it and it will make your life complete. So Samsung, if you don't know about cell phones, 10, 15, 20 years ago, 15, 18 years ago, Cell phones were flip phones, and we now make fun of flip phones because they're they're old and f they flip. And now we're like, no, cool. We have we have we have phones. This was a rant on silly buddy. I'll come back. I'll come back. It's now a rant on Samsung. 
and any cell phone, any new, don't buy new cell phones, okay? Shout out to backmarket.com, which is for cheap, poor people like me. That's where I buy all my electronics, and I buy old crappy phones on there for super cheap. Okay, and they work just the same as these new dumb phones. That Okay, so I hate new cell phone ads. Every new cell phone ad I hate. Watch it and go, they're trying to sell you messiah ship here they're trying to they're selling you yes i'm joking tongue in cheek but i'm also serious like they it's these new phones are a thousand dollars or more fifteen hundred dollars or something like that and they're just phones it's what so you can be more addicted to video games and more addicted to social media and more addicted to having your face in front of a screen right you it will not make you happy so samsung they're running out of ideas because how can you make a an a, a invention that's been you just can't improve it anymore it's just a phone it's just it's that so they created a phone that flips it, it goes right flips in half right it's it, it flips like wow and it's two thousand dollars or something fifteen hundred bucks for a, a phone that looks like a flat screen but it flips whoa whoa here's why this is on noah's rant today because on their commercial, it says, join the flip side. Yeah, that's very offensive to me. That's very offensive to me. Did they did they call me and get permission if they could use the name of my podcast on their commercial? No. Do I get royalties for them using my, my, my show name for their new tagline? Join the flip side. The commercial is a, a woman who has an iPhone which is a better phone, by the way, than a Samsung. And she loves her, her, she loves her iPhone. And her friend has a phone that flips in half. And she says, I'll never change. I'll never, I'll never change to the flip. And then eventually she has all these creepy dreams about like sandwiches flipping or things strange like that. And she realizes she too must have a phone that flips revolutionary. Like no one's ever thought of a flip phone before. What a novel concept. It will change your life forever. It will save you. So then it, eerie music comes on and it says, join the flip side. Here's what I'm saying to you, Samsung, because I know you're listening. I know that the president of Samsung is an avid flip side Noah's Rant listener. If, you're gonna, if you are going to steal my podcast name for your commercial, you need to hook me up. You need to call me, email me, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. I need a percentage of the royalties that you're making off of my platform that I've built over the course of 74 episodes. You're taking a, a common brand to the, the American and the international community that I've built, and you're profiting off of it. So all I'm saying is I want you to sponsor the show. I deserve to be sponsored by you like Angry Bruce sponsors, if you're going to use my name, you might be asking, how did we get from a rant on Silly Putty to a rant on Samsung's stupid flip phone? It's because I love Silly Putty and I want Silly Putty to sponsor the flip side. I Somebody's got to hook up with the inventors of Silly Putty. Let me know. Let me know because I want them to sponsor the show. I would love to be able to tell you about the amazing benefits of silly, these are like a dollar. What can you buy for a dollar anymore? Nothing. Dollar buys you nothing. No, you can't even. Wendy's doesn't even have a 99 cent meal, value meal menu anymore. 
There's literally nothing, but a dollar buys you nothing, but it can buy you Silly Putty, which is incredible. You know why I love Silly Putty so much and why it's on Nose Rant? Probably because I hate slime. I hate slime. I hate slime more than I hate cell phone ads. I hate slime more than I hate the Samsung flip phone. I hate slime because I have three children. And you know what my three children like to bring home? Slime. And you know what happens every single time one of my children brings home slime? It gets on the couch. Oh, if you don't know what slime is, it's a gooey, gooey toy thing. Usually always has glitter in it. It's made of glue. And so literally we had to replace a couch in previous years because of the amount of glittery slime that got stuck on the couch that couldn't get up. Not only does it get stuck everywhere, it gets stuck in your hair. I have three girls with long hair. You can see their pictures behind me. Look at that long hair. See it? See it? The slime gets in the hair and you can't get it out unless you go take a bath. Sometimes you have to get your hair cut to get the slime out. So the slime comes into my home and I say, Children, the rule in the house is no slime ever. But dad, but dad, but dad, but dad, well, we won't, we won't make a mess with it this time. But dad, but dad, it, we, I say you, every time you make them, it's not even you, it's the slime. It's impossible to play with slime without making a mess with, no, 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 dad, but this time will be different. This time will be different. We won't get it in our hair. We won't get it on the couch. We won't get it on the carpet. 15, 20, 30 minutes later, Dad, we got this slime on the couch in the chair and the carpet and in our hair. Every time slime is played with. I hate slime. You know what I love about Silly Putty? Watch this. I'm going to stick it in my hair. See that? See it in my hair? You can pull it right out. Boom. Doesn't stick to your hair. I want to do a national campaign for Silly Putty. I love Silly Putty. It doesn't stick to your hair. I can even stick it in my beard. Look at this beard that I've grown out. And I can even look at the indentations of my beard hair on it. Best invention ever. Yes. Aren't you inspired by Noah's rant today? We did our job. Made the world a better place. Please email the show, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Let me know how Noah's Rant has changed your life because I need the inspirational fuel. You would think that I've got it all together, that I have no insecurities, just like those church-planting pastors at the mega conferences, but that's not true. I have insecurity about Noah's Rant. I, I question if my colleagues listening to this episode about church-planting then hear Noah's Rant and discredit uh, everything about me. So, Philip Potomai, I need your help. I'm calling out to you, to my community. Support me, lift me up, raise up my hands like Moses' arms were raised in the, in the desert by Aaron. Was it Aaron and Joshua? <laughs> I don't remember. By two really good friends. I need you to be my friend, Philip Potomai. Thank you for listening to the flip side, thank you for, for suffering through one of the worst Noah's rants ever. Actually, I kind of like that. Honestly, I have no clue I was going to talk about the Samsung flip phone thing, but I I, I do think that every time they, they play those episodes, those commercials about joining the flip side, don't join their flip side. Join my flip side. 
Make your third favorite podcast be the flip side. Uh, you can support patreon.com slash noahflipiak, though I'd much prefer you support Laura Taro and Bethany Covenant Church at bethanycov.org. I will see you next time on The Flip Side. The Flip Side with Noah Philippiak is a Beyond Ministries production. Copyright Noah Philippiak. www.noahphilippiak.com Theme music by Kyle Lake at Kalik Music. Used with permission. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. It's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory because you're in or you're out. When you see them in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is what your day.